Life is happening and it can be hard to keep up with, hard to know what to do and how to do what needs to happen. But your Bible, your Bible is the word of God. Within each book and letter is the wisdom, the insight, the direction, the examples, the principles, and the hope that does not disappoint. If you embrace the treasure within, you'll find the rewards of life that few tap into. So I encourage you to join me in a recently taught lesson entitled Valued Treasure. Not only will you be motivated to read your Bible, but you will unlock answers for all that's happening in your life. To the grown woman, pray. To the woman looking for answers, pray. To the woman who's busy and just needs a change, pray. Pray, woman. Stop comparing yourself, pray. Stop grumbling, pray. Stop giving excuses, stop counting yourself out, pray. Stop discounting God. It's time to pray. Welcome to the Woman Pray Podcast. You know, a typical message is either what you can do for God or what God can do for you. That's a typical message. And because we're selfish creatures, generally, the latter the ladder, what you can do for me, God. The ladder is usually what keeps people engaged. It's what you can do for me, God. That's what usually keeps people coming back. I need you to encourage me. I need you to pump me up. I need you to remind me. I need you to affirm me, validate me. I need you to bless me. So I keep on coming because I'm going to get something from him. It's the kind of mindset that 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 reminds us or warns us, doesn't just remind, but warns us saying, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. <laughs> we don't heap up over here, amen. We're not heaping up nothing. This is a warning. This is a warning, not for the unbeliever. So we need to hear this. This is for the believer, those within the body of Christ. You might even receive it as a charge tonight, a charge to be alert, a charge to be aware, acutely aware that when you prefer teaching that suits your desires, teaching that's going to make sure you get blessed and you get better and you, 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 you. When you think about the teaching that suits your desires rather than challenges your growth, because the word of God is supposed to make you wise unto salvation. That's what the scripture says, that the word of God is supposed to make me wise unto salvation. I want to say it again. The word of God is supposed to make me wise unto salvation. It's supposed to what? Make me wise unto salvation. Are there blessings? Yes, there are blessings. But the word of God is supposed to make me wise unto 
salvation. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's when we understand the tenets of our faith. It's profitable for reproof. So it ought to be that when we read the word, we get rebuked because there is correction and it might be harsh rebuke. That do you think you're coming in the kingdom of God acting like that? There ought to be rebuke. It's also for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, that's, that's we'll say universal, the man, the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, those who position themselves to hear and receive what is written in Scripture, those who act on what is written, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's challenging, those are the ones who will grow. Not the ones who say, mm, I don't know if I like that word, so I'm going over to another church. You'll never grow that way. If it's always got to be comfortable in what you think is right and what you want, you will stay the same. And you will walk around the same mountain just like Israel, wondering when is the promised land coming? Where is the promise? Where is the promise? But you have elected on your own to stay the same. And so we have to produce produce fruits. We have to be skilled in words of righteousness. We have to mature in faith. And that's our aim at Hope Cathedral. That is to grow, to attain the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mysteries of God, both of the Father and of the Son, in whom dwells all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The scripture says in him are treasures of what? Wisdom and knowledge. And that's our goal, to grow in the wisdom of our salvation. Amen? And so our message is entitled, Valued Treasure. Valued Treasure. Because our goal is to appreciate or cherish the word of God to cherish the word of God and mature in scripture and so be changed. Let me say it again. It's called value treasure because our goal, everyone's goal as a Christian should be to cherish the word of God, mature in scripture and so be changed. If I'm the same person as I was last year, the same person that I was five years ago, the same person that I was 10 years ago, that's problematic. That's a problem. If you're still getting mad over the same things, people can still just tick you off over the same things, it means there's no growth. If you're still falling for the same temptation, same temptation in high school is the same temptation in college is the same temptation as a young adult is the same temptation as an old adult. That's a problem. And that should be a warning flag. Warning, warning. Ah, ah, ah. There is no growth. There is no growth. There is no growth. So if I look at an analogy and I found treasure, we found gold, 
maybe in the backyard somewhere. We've been back there several times, but now all of a sudden we found a treasure chest filled with gold, filled with silver, filled with jewels, and we, we are overtaken like, oh my goodness, how long has this been here? Well, you would never take it for granted. Is that true? Amen. You find money in the backyard somewhere, you would never take that for granted, but you would value it. You take it in the house and you make sure nobody saw you. <laughs> We're going to take this in the house. <laughs> you cherish it. You value it. But you'd also, you see a financial advisor, right? We, we, we're not going to spend this like we spend our, our, our weekly check, our bi-weekly. No, 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 no. This is far more than I've ever is seen. So I got to make sure I mature in money management. And my life would be changed by what's going on in this treasure chest so I would consciously do things differently. I might go get me a car. Might go buy me a house. I might do some things that I couldn't do before, but now that I got this treasure chest, it's going to be some changes going on. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know. Don't act like, oh, no, I would save it. I would say, you know you would go get the first thing on your mind. It won't even make any sense. Why you get that? Because that's what I wanted, and I could. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Yeah, so we would splurge at the beginning, and then we'd say, okay, now let me get my mind on right, because I got this treasure. Amen. Uh, okay, I got the saints with me telling the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's what Jesus said, that the kingdom of God should be to each one of us. He says in Matthew 13 that, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Sounds like wisdom to me, which means we must value, number one, the Bible. We've got to value the Bible. Because it is the pillar and the ground of truth. It is our treasure. It is the thing that causes the hope to come back to the hopeless, to those who are empty. It's the one who fills us again. The Bible, it is the treasure. And so we look now to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 17. Some of us got our treasure laid out like whatever. No value. Don't cherish the treasure. But that Bible is your treasure. It holds all of the answers. Every answer that you need in life is all in that Bible. All the power that you need is all in that Bible. Everything is in your Bible. And you've been walking past the answer, the treasure, your Bible. There in Ephesians 4, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Some translations will say the hardness of their heart. Verse 19 who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed 
in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. From this passage, I need us to notice a couple of things. First, that we're not to think like we did before we came to Christ. There should be a whole different thinking pattern because that thinking is based upon a blinded understanding, darkened understanding. And then we're told that the truth, the truth is not your truth and my truth. No, the truth is in Jesus. Jesus, who is the word that became flesh, is the source and the resource for truth. And truth does not change. In him, we have the information needed to compare the ways of the kingdom of God with the ways of this world. With God's ways versus our own ways. His word is the plumb line. The plumb line that adjusts what's out of balance in our lives. It makes what's crooked straight. It brings light where there is darkness. So life is no longer measured by my facts, facts that change. In fact, is the table is on this stage, but we can move the table. Facts change. So now my, 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 my plumb line is necessary for my life because it brings order where there was no order. So life is no longer measured by my facts or my feelings or my flesh or the opinions of people or philosophy of men or traditions of family or culture or society or anything else in this world. The truth of God's word is the standard. The truth of God's word is the goal. The truth of God's word is the guide for our lives. And this Ephesians passage offers us Paul's expectation that we will put off the old man, that we'll be changed, that we'll change from those old behaviors, that we will allow the word of God to inform us as well as shape us and direct or lead us away from the old person, away from the carnal person, away from that worldly person and the worldly mindsets and towards truth, towards what is true, what is holy, what is righteous, what is good based upon what is written in the Bible. I meant to have my Bible, <laughs> the Bible, the B-I. B-L-E. And so it's not a one and done. I came to Christ and now that's it. I just go to church. I mean, you need to be in church because we're talking about what's in the Bible. But it's not one and done. Like I'm, I, I'm done with it. Okay, now that I've given my life to Christ, all I got to do is visit church every now and then. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. The Bible is the truth when my flesh wants to continue indulging in sexual sin. That's the truth. So now my flesh has to align with what the Bible says regardless. Yeah. So it's not about what I think. Yeah. It's not about what the culture thinks. 
Either I'm going to live according to what the word says, truth, or I'm going to live according to what flesh says, flesh. Oh, y'all look at me funny now. <laughs> no, this is the Bible. The Bible is clear. It leaves no ambiguity. It doesn't have anything that we got to be wondering. Wonder what we're supposed to do. Wonder what we scratch at. No, no, no. It's very clear. It's truth. The Bible is the truth when my feelings have given into anger. It's very clear. Who doesn't get mad? All of us get mad. But the Bible is still relevant when we get mad. I don't put the Bible over to, over to the side because now I'm mad. No, I'm mad and I keep the Bible. I keep the truth. And he says, be angry and sin not. He said, get on your bed and meditate. Then get up and offer the sacrifice of righteousness. <laughs> you like, I'm mad enough and I can go take care of this right quick. But he said, offer the sacrifice of righteousness. So now I'm aligning my life with the truth. Not my flesh, not my feelings, and not the facts. Remember, facts change. So I align myself with the facts even when it looks like the facts are contradicting what the truth says. So I read my Bible, and my Bible says that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My Bible says I owe no man nothing but to love him. My Bible says given it shall be given. And I look at my account, and the facts say, yeah, not going to be able to do that. So either I'm going to align my life with the facts or if I'm going to continue in the truth. And remember, facts change. So truth never changes. So now I've got to change my mindset. I can't think like I used to think. Because see, like I used to think, I would have said, oh, that crazy. I ain't got no money to be giving them for that. I got to take care of my own stuff. I got my own stuff to be taken care of. Y'all acting like y'all ain't never said that. <laughs> Y'all acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know what's going on up there. <laughs> but no, I'm decided. I have decided I will live by the truth of God's word. Therefore, it really doesn't matter if the facts are contradicting or not. It really doesn't matter because I live by the truth of God's word. So I look in the account and I still see $10, but here go the offering. And he said, if I give, it'll be given unto me. Well, here go, the t here go a dollar or here go the whole 10. I can't do nothing with the 10. No way. I need a hundred. <laughs> I'm going to go on with the truth. Amen. I'm going with the truth. And when you get convinced that the truth will work, you'll see that it's everything that you need in your Bible. It's in your Bible. The power is in your Bible. <laughs> oh, I hope you're hearing me tonight. <laughs> Glory be to God. And the Christian is called to live by the truth. Live by faith in this truth. But if your ears are always itching, what's the next thing? What I got to do to get where I want to go? God, come on and bless me. Come on. I'm going to give, and then it's going to be given. Like, like this is a slot machine. <laughs> you can go to Atlantic City for that. We, we don't play slots here. Amen. We trust the truth of God's word. So when I give, I check my motives, and I say, why am I giving? Because I want to honor my God. I'm doing Amen. what the truth says. I, we together? I hope you hear me, because if you're waiting for a slot machine, I promise you, you won't see a dime back. I know because I tried it. <laughs> I, 
I tried it. I said, here go, God. I'm going to give you this, and then you're going to give me more. Where is it, Lord? Where is it? <laughs> but when heart was right, and I gave it, he did just what he said. He did just what he promised. Oh, I hope you're hearing me tonight. The power is in your, in your Bible. For though by this time, the scripture says in the Hebrews, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I wonder how many of you would be okay if your child, no matter how old they are now, stayed that age, stayed three years old, three years old, three years later, three years old, five years later, three years old, 10 years later, three years old, 15 years later. Oh, we would just be like undone. (laughs) When do you grow up? And yet that's what we have in the body of Christ. Babies, people who don't want to have been in church for how long? And you still having trouble with your tongue? I mean, when, when do we grow up? When? You go to the airport and somebody's acting up. They 60-something years old. (laughs) When do you grow up? Like, really? When? If it's not going to happen at 20 and it's not going to happen at 30, when? (laughs) I promise you, everybody around you is trying to figure it out. When? 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 Am I laboring there too long? Mm. (laughs) All right, so we got to grow up. How do we grow up? We read our Bible. We do our Bible. We become skilled or adept in doing what it says. And when you do what it says, number two, transformation power is possible. Transformation power is possible. We're looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible is the reliable source of truth and the wisdom that comes directly from God and not from man. So it's trustworthy. But even more, the words that are spoken to us in the Bible are spirit and they are life. That's what John 6:63 says. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And so when you take the word, you're reading the word, it becomes food. Jesus says again that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So in the same way that you are what you eat in the natural, you are what you eat in the spiritual. And if you eat the word, transformation will take place. When will you grow up? When you start eating the word of God. If you're relying on everybody else, you're going to eat from their plate. It doesn't work like that. 
you just end up being a counterfeit. You end up frustrated because you're just mimicking. But you don't have the sustenance on the inside of you. You don't have the nutrients within you. So you tagging along, but you are faint. So you might, you might abide for a minute, but then you gone. We don't see you for another month. And every time we see you, you got another problem. Here go another problem. Here go another pro- problem. After, because there's no word on the inside of you that will sustain you. The power is in the word. Oh, do I need to say it again? Why don't you say it to your neighbor? The power is in the word. Say it again. The power is in the word. And if you eat the word, transformation will take place. David cried, how shall a man cleanse his own way? By taking heed according to thy word. You all know this one. I have written your word upon my heart that I might not sin against thee. Here's how Psalm 19 says it. It breaks it down, breaks down the power that's found in the Bible, the word of God. It says the law of the Lord, I'll say the word of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The word converts the soul. The word converts the soul. The testimonies that I read throughout the word are sure. They make the simple. Somebody raise your hand and say, yeah, I'll be simple sometimes. They make me wise. Y'all didn't raise your hand with me. Come on, all of us are simple sometimes. But when we read the word, we learn from other people's example. We can learn from David. I don't care if Bathsheba is bathing on the roof. I will turn my head because I learned, I learned, I learned. That's when confusion came in his house. Remember, he indulged his flesh. And that's when the scripture says that Absalom rose up. So it wasn't just that he lost his first child, but confusion came throughout his lineage. Oh, I hope you're hearing. We've got the testimonies in the word. It tells us enough to get ourselves straight because there's nothing new under the sun. If it happened in the Bible, it can happen in my life. Therefore, I got a plumb line. Plumb line gets me straight. I don't care if my flesh is talking. The truth, the truth is what I will live by. He says in verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice my heart. I'm feeling a little heavy. It's the word that's going to pull me back up again. I need somebody to help me. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to pump me up, tell me I'm great, tell me I'm... No, it is the Word of God that rejoices my heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It opens my eyes. I need revelation. I don't know what to do. Isn't that what we read? He says there in Romans, he said that when I'm not conformed to the world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, then, then, then I'll know what is his good, his perfect, and his acceptable will for my life, for the situation, for the problem. It is the word of God that will change everything around me and within me. Verse 9 saying, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More to be desired are they. They is what? The word. They than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them 
there is great reward. I don't know about you, but I'm after the reward. Amen. I'm after the reward. Therefore, I'm living by the word. So transformation becomes possible whether you're filled, I'm sorry, whether your past is filled with hate and anger or your past is just a bad attitude. Transformation becomes possible by reading or eating his word. Thereafter, we'll rightly divide. We'll be able to correctly explain, rightly apply the word of God to our lives when we're making decisions, just as we're called to in 2 Timothy 2, where he says that we'll be able to rightly present yourselves that you may be able to rightly divide the word of God. And we'll also follow the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 as they gave careful examination to what was written in the word every week. No, the Bible says every day, day by day, the Bereans studied the word. They read the word. They ate the word. They processed the word. They compared the word. They considered the word. They didn't just take what somebody says and just eat it. They said, no, Paul, we got to go study the scriptures and know. So you sit down in front of somebody, whether it's at this church or any church, any place that you sit down, you need to be able to know what you're hearing. Is this the word? I haven't heard this in my Bible, so I might need to put that over there on the shelf. Because people get excited. I've heard them. They get excited. I'm like, I lean over my husband and say, that ain't the word. <laughs> I'm telling you, the truth. I look, that ain't the word. I ain't seen it. Where is that? telling you the truth. Place well where people are like real smart, you know. And they sit down and they tell you all that. I said, he said, you ain't buying that, huh, Quinn? I said, I don't think so, because I ain't never seen that in my Bible. <laughs> I ain't never seen that in my Bible. It sounds good. Nice theology. Mm, that's not in my Bible. Uh-uh. I went to uh, seminary and sat in there, and that woman said, you don't have to forgive. I said, well, what Bible is she reading? I have not seen that in my Bible because my Bible says, if I don't forgive, I will not be forgiven. I think I'm going to have to come out of this class here because <laughs> she's going to get me all tripped up. You have to know who you're listening to. Because just because they got a PhD, THD, MA, DA, Elemental P PQRST behind their name, you better know what's in your word lest you stumble and fall. So we eat the word of God so that we are always able to value the Bible. And because it is spirit and life, it will inform and it will change our thinking and our behavior so that we're walking in true righteousness and holiness as the scripture says. And this should be happening every day of our lives. Bible says day and night, day and night. You never arrive. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've been reading your Bible since you were this little. It never ends. And if you think that it has ended, maybe you're close to thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Maybe you're close to being wise in your own eyes. Maybe you're just doing what's right in your own eyes, relying on the flesh instead of his spirit who is at work to bring, number three, change. Change. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, laying aside of filthiness 
and overflow, let, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Which is able to save your what? Soul. Your soul. All right, so remember, your soul includes your mind, your will, your imagination, your emotions, and your intellect. So the soul impacts your spiritual destination. It impacts your spiritual destination. It impacts your blessing. It impacts whether you will see God's promises or not. So we cannot afford to neglect the soul. My mind, my will, my imagination, my emotions, and my intellect. Even more, if I'm not careful, then each part that I just named, each part of my soul will then resist the word of God and the ways of God. Oh, I hope you're hearing me because this is for the Christian. We're not even talking about unbelievers. We're talking about those of us who believe. It will resist. Why will it resist God? Because we've not let the word confront us with truth when the scripture confronts us, when the scripture corrects us. What is confronting? How is it correcting? Well, there is a worldview. There is a worldview that we are hearing daily and regularly. You're in this world and you are exposed to ideology. Ideology are ideas based on theory, based on theory and policy. You're exposed to humanism. That is philosophy without God. You are exposed to secularism. That is the rejection of God completely. You're exposed to all of this through media, and some of us are listening to it day and night, all through the day. You're exposed through media, through your peer influence, folks that you're working with on their job, on your job. They're not going to church, and they're not reading their Bible, and you're listening to them like they got the authority. You got your Bible. You've got your Bible. <laughs> so we don't listen to all that, but yet media, peer influence, matters of consequence, as well as fleshly desires, they're all speaking loudly. And if you're not careful, you will adopt, you will accept, you will agree, you will perpetuate all of these ideals and philosophies or traditions that are completely antithetical to the word of God. And you will call yourself a Christian. When the Bible is supposed to be the guidepost of your life. I can't tell you the number of young adults. that you, you talk about what's in the Bible, they will say something. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how they say this. They say, well, I'm a Christian, but I just don't believe that. Right, right, right. Wait, I don't, that's just, that doesn't even add up. <laughs> uh -huh. You don't pick and choose out of the Bible. That's like saying, I'm going to eat lasagna, but I'm going to pick and choose out of the lasagna. And I'm going to take the noodles out, but I'm going to keep the... I mean, you could do it, but it's not lasagna after you get finished picking through it, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you just decide? I'm just not going to believe that part. Well, I, I, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't read my Bible because I don't believe the Bible is, is true. Well, what, well what, what is your guide? And we have, like, these young adults are becoming adults, so you likely are sitting here in this room on, this, on the stream where we put the Bible aside and we have made up our own religion, made it up on our way. 
Whatever we think is right, that's what's right. Whatever we think is wrong, that's what's wrong. And we're allowing everything else to inform us except the Bible that we say that we live by. Oh. The Bible is supposed to be the guidepost for your life. It's the goal, but it's also supposed to be an instruction manual for your spirit, your soul, and your body. First five books speak to the law, and thereafter the prophets from Joshua into Malachi. It points to the coming Messiah. By the New Testament, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God is presented by our Savior. So each time we read from Genesis to Revelation, we're choosing to abide in Him. We're choosing to accept and allow the Word of God to tell us, to instruct us, to inform us who we are and what we believe and why we believe and how we're supposed to live, how we're to interact with God and those around us, not like others in the world. So if you're responding just like your average person on the job, you might want to check that. If you agree with everybody just because they said it, you might want to check that. Because the world and the word, two different things. They don't agree. They're not the same. And you don't want to find yourself on the other side. Amen? Amen. We're no longer of this world. Therefore, Colossians says, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. My sister, my brother, we are citizens of the kingdom of God and members of the household of faith. We don't even have dual citizenship. Oh, I hope you hear me. We don't even have dual citizenship. Though in this world, we are not of this world. So we're told, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Come out from among them and be separate because you are a peculiar people. So he says, don't be conformed to your former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you be holy in all that you do. He calls you a fellow citizen with the saints, redeemed, that is born again, not of corruptible seed less in this world, but of incorruptible seed through the word of God. The word of God. I'll say it again. The word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the work after receiving the free gift of salvation. Not to just sit back and do nothing and wait for heaven. No, that's not the work. But it is to get in your Bible and allow your Bible to get inside of you and then be informed, be transformed, be corrected, be rebuked, and be changed for his glory and for his honor. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. Can we give the Lord praise? 
All over the room, can we give the Lord praise? We give you praise, Father, because you gave your son, Jesus. Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. For this, Lord, we are grateful that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, but you revealed them to babes. And here we are, Lord, as people who are partakers of the inheritance, brought out of darkness into your marvelous light, all because of your word. We cherish your word tonight, Lord. We choose to live by your word tonight, Lord. Let your word be found in our mouth where you cover us with the shadow of your hand. Let your word be found on our heart that we will not sin against you. Let your word be a light to our feet and a lamp to our path, oh God. We call upon you that your word would transform our mind, that it would change our lives so that we truly live to your praise and to your glory. We give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you because you made a promise. And your promises are yes and amen. So we give you glory. I wonder if you give the Lord glory all over this place. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's worship the Lord. Tell him I worship you, Jesus. Tell the Lord I love you, Jesus. Come on and bless the Lord and say, I need you, Jesus. Open my eyes to your word. So I heard the Lord tell me to say this to you. So when I gave my life to Christ, I was probably in my 20s, early 20s. And I wasn't the person who was like, oh, yeah, let's read a book. There's plenty of people like that, but that just wasn't my first love, reading a book. And so I made sure my children did, but I had no interest, okay? Read a book. Mm -mm. So when I gave my life to Christ, you know, I'm looking at this Bible, and I'm like, the well, only way I'm going to get to know God is by reading the book. But I still have no interest in reading this Bible. I mean, you look at the Bible. It can be intimidating. But I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm asking for you to give me a desire to read this book. I asked the Lord to give me a desire to read the Bible because I didn't have one. Is that real enough for you? And he gave it to me. He gave me the desire to read my Bible. And that's where some of us are. We don't even have a desire. We know we're supposed to read the Bible, but we just don't have a desire. So it's easy to procrastinate. I read it tonight. I'm too sleepy. I read it in the morning. Oh, I got to get out of here. I read it in the afternoon. It's just so busy. And so we never end up reading our Bible. Weeks go by. Months go by. And pastor says, let's do the Bible in a year. Okay, I'm going to read my Bible. Read it one time. And that's the last time we saw the Bible. <laughs> so I want to encourage you tonight to let there be a sincere prayer. Are you saying, Father, I need you to give me a desire for your word. I need you to stoke a hunger for your word. I want to read your word and I want to read it so I don't want to stop. See, if you read a good book, because I do like some kind of books. And then when I get a real good book, like if it catches my attention, I'll read through it right quick. Because it caught my attention. And that's what we want to pray. Lord, I want you to catch my attention when I read your word. I want to be stuck in your words where time goes by and I didn't even realize. Wow, 30 minutes passed. Wow, an hour passed. Wow, I read your book two days in a row. Wow, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. Amen. 
So I want you to pray. I don't know what song we can sing, but I just want us to take a few minutes. We'll worship the Lord, and I want you to talk to the Lord. Father, give us a desire for your word, where we want to read your word, where we want to hear from you, where you're introducing yourself through your word. Come on and talk to the Lord right where you are, or you can come to the front and kneel down, where you make a vow to the Lord. Now, the Bible says it's better not to vow than to vow and not pay. But if you want to make a vow, say, okay, you know what? Every day I'm going to at least read a chapter. If I can't handle the chapter, then I'm going to start off every day. I'm going to read at least 10 verses, but I'm going to start somewhere, Lord. I'm making a decision to read your word, and I'm trusting you, Holy Spirit, that you're helping me. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that blessed you. Now, before you go, let me give you just a few reminders. First, the next cycle of Woman Pray Mentoring is starting in June. The Apprentice Cycle is what it's called, and it's the starting point, and it will speak to matters of your heart. Go to womanpray.com today for more information and register then. Finally, our next gathering is Friday, June 16th, and just as others, it will not disappoint because it's not about us, but it's all about us turning our focus on him, and he has been so faithful in past, and I believe every round goes higher. So plan to pray for the day with other women. It's free registration, but I do need you to register so that you can receive the Zoom information if you're not able to join in person, as well as hear about upcoming events events. That's all for now. Don't forget to make reading your Bible a priority. Start with and focus on being faithful each day and know that your father loves you and has made life possible for you through his word. Thank you again and we'll see you next time on the Woman Pray Podcast.